Okay, hello. Welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. Today I'm joined with a very special guest, my Melville. Hello. Yes. Nice to be with you. Welcome. Um, if you haven't tuned in before, I'll just give you a little rundown of the premise of Cinema at First Sight. So it's basically the concept of judging a book by its cover, but we don't read in this household. Instead, we're watching TV shows and movies, and with the TV show, we're judging it based on the pilot episode, and with movies, we watch the first half, call it a day, and then make a judgment call and see whether or not we'd want to keep going and watch the rest of it. So today, we are looking at Enola Holmes, which is a Netflix movie starring Millie Bobby Brown, Helena Bonham Carter, Sam Claflin, Henry Cavill, and Louis Partridge, who I don't really think has been in anything else, but the rest of the cast, what a star-studded lineup. Crazy. So the first question I like to kick off the podcast with is, is this a rewatch or a first-time watch? It's a first-time watch. It is also a first-time watch for me. I'm also actually not very familiar with the Sherlock franchise. I've seen... (laughs) Okay, apparently you are. (laughs) But I've seen a few episodes of the Benedict Cumberbatch show, and I talked through the Robert Downey Jr. movie Once at a Sleepover in 2014, but that's literally it. That's my exposure to Sherlock. How about you? Read the books, seen most of the film versions and TV versions, and love it. Okay, great. Super fan v novice. That's a big statement. Okay. Um, So basic plot points. It's about 16-year-old Enola Holmes, who is Sherlock Holmes' sister. She's academic. She's unconventional. She refuses to conform to female stereotypes in the late 1800s. She's quirky, you know? She's not like other girls. Um, She had a really close relationship with her mother, played by Helena Bonham Carter growing up. They shared, like, fun and adventure, and they read a lot and played word games. But her mother was also low-key secretive. She was in this weird little female group and was a big fan of her privacy and talked a lot behind closed doors. So we find out at the beginning of the movie that her mother goes missing on her birthday, which I think is particularly brutal. So she collects her brothers, Sherlock and Mycroft, who she hasn't seen for ages from the train station and they're shocked that she isn't ladylike. They're like, who is this woman who is wearing pants? What? Disgusting. She kind of calls on Sherlock to search for answers regarding their mother and he's like, "Mm, I'll try it out, but like, I don't really know. Like, he's very non-committal when it comes to actually saving the day. And Mycroft is just there being a straight white man that you hate. He's literally the embodiment of toxic masculinity. He tries to quash Enola's originality. So obviously she escapes. She's leaving the patriarchal cage that he is trying to put her in. And she flees. She tries to find her mom. And when she's on the train, she meets a boy who's similarly fleeing his situation. For some reason, someone's trying to kill him. I don't really know why. But Anola's like, you know what? I'm going to help him out. I'm going to save him. I'm going to escape this train. But I'm going to go find my mom. I'm on a mission and I'm not going to let some random boy foil my plan. She goes to London. She's kind of like fish out of water, unfamiliar with the outside world. She's never left the countryside in her life. Um, She cosplays as a lady to remain undercover and find answers undetected. She then discovers that her mother is actually a part of the suffragette movement and is planning something massive to do with bombs. We don't really know what that is. And that changes the game. Then the murderous guy from the train pops up, tries to kill her. He traps her in some weird kind of cabin, tries to set her on fire. She's ironically protected by the corset that she puts on. I don't really know. It's all happening. And then she completely changes her mission. She said, my mother's a suffragette. I'm a ditch her. I don't want to find her anymore. I'm going to change my entire mission and look for this random boy I met on the train. And that's where we're up to. We stopped an hour and one minute in. So now 
let's talk about it. Let's talk about some of our favorite moments and what we like about it and what we think has been pivotal. So you start off. I've been talking for a while, so you go for it. Favorite moments? There are quite a few favorite moments. I'm really enjoying this film so far. I like the whole girl power aspect to it. Yeah. And I like the mother-daughter relationship. I like that the mother has the amazing Helena Bonham Carter, who's always fantastic in everything. Absolute queen. I like that she has equipped her daughter with an unconventional but essential education for the future she kind of knew that she was going to have. I also like that because the father had died and according to the custom of the times, the money then went to the eldest son. So Mycroft actually inherited everything and she was in fact lying to him to get money. So she's saying, we need renovations for the house. We need to do this. I need to pay for the governess to do this, but none of that actually happened. So she was squirreling the money away that she then left secretively for Enola, knowing that she would need that for her journey. So I kind of like the whole, the woman's in control, but the men really think they are, but they're not. Yeah, I like that. Like the underhanded moment. I agree. I didn't even think about that. Mm. That's a great point. Subverting the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just like some general notes that I talk about what I like about it. I like the, the pace. It's very fast paced. Mm. And also it gets you in immediately. Like, I don't know about you, but a few minutes in, I was, I wanted to know what's happening. I want to watch more. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the final questions. Mm. So. Oh God, I can live early. No. <laughs> um, I also like the breaking of the fourth wall and the pieces to camera, yeah. which I generally find a bit cringe in movies. It, it's got to be done right. Yeah, but it is done well. And obviously, yeah, I like the mystery genre. I like the little clues because I feel like we're part of it. I feel Mm. like we can follow Mm. along with it and we're discovering things at the same time. We're working things out. The game is afoot and we are invited to join. I did pick the suffragette thing though. I knew, I thought there's got to be a reason why, because just because of the times and because she's such a forthright woman and like an activist for women's rights, she had to be involved with the suffragettes in some way. And they did engage in really sort of dangerous almost like subversive acts because they wanted to get attention and get their point across and sometimes revolutions are messy it's true oh yeah i also heard that i like it it's very english yeah and i like yeah. that the poshness knows no bounds no it's, it's wild i mean literally one of the characters is called viscount tewksbury marquess of basilwell that's the most english name i've ever heard yes and also the cast is insane yeah millie bobby brown is killing it she's really good but it is nice hearing her with an english accent yeah and also um she has more dialogue in her opening monologue than she's had in three seasons of stranger things yeah but love her in stranger things too oh no she kills it yeah. And yeah, I like the little like sprinkles of feminism throughout. I agree with what you were saying. Ooh, I think it's more than a sprinkle. I mean, yeah, okay. The reason I say sprinkle is because it's like a very particular kind of second wave feminism. So it's like, <laughs> I, I'm going to get in more into it later. But That's another conversation to have offline. Yeah, so at the beginning, she doesn't abandon or change her plan for the random boy she just met, which is great. I feel like that happens a lot in movies, but she's like, no, I'm a, I'm a head out on my own. Did she though? Did she? We're going to get to that mm. later with things that I don't like about the film. I also like when she puts on her corset, she says that it's a prison for those who are forced to wear it, but because she's choosing to wear it, it's a different story. So therefore she's reclaiming it. And then, as you said, saved her life. Ironically later, yeah. Um, But I think that that's the most nuanced feminist statement that the film makes in the first half. Disagree. I'm not saying that's the most mm. feminist statement. I'm saying it's the most nuanced feminist statement. The rest of it is like, yeah, I can be a girl, but I can also wear pants. That's crazy. But that is like, you know what? I'm choosing to wear this traditionally feminine garb and because of that I'm reclaiming it and I'm gonna give credit where it's due we we like a little bit of nuance 
also thing that I like. She says that it's good to travel as a widow when you're traveling incognito because no one wants to talk to you if you're grieving. And honestly, that's a good pro tip. I wouldn't want to talk to or approach a widow because that'd be super awkward. But, so, but what does a widow look like now? Um, just like a really sad person, <laughs> sad person wearing like or, mum jeans, or maybe really happy, depending on the circumstances. True. Um. So what? Are, what do you think the most pivotal moment has been so far? Hard to say. There've been a couple. Mm. Well, obviously the mother's disappearance well, was yeah. probably the first one. I think then meeting the Viscount. Yes. On the train and the drama that ensued, mm. and the starting off, you know, the chase was probably the next one. And then I think finding out a little bit about what Mum had been up to. Yeah. With the explosives in the shed, and I think they're the, they're the pivotal like plot points. Yeah. I would think. I put discovering that her mum has some plan to do with the suffragette movement and bombs whatever that is a big pivotal moment game changer and then also when she's almost killed by the guy from the train and why yeah i know i don't understand i feel like that's quite a pivotal moment because that's when she completely changes course and decides to abandon her Mm. plan to find her mother and instead find this boy um so yeah what are some least favorite moments or not even least favorite moments but things that you're not as big a fan of like that you don't like yeah i don't really have any least favorite moments because i think the actions progressed really well Mm. and there hasn't been any lulls yeah oh definitely kind of taken you because i just thought oh yeah it'd be an interesting little film to watch but i'm actually really enjoying it Yeah. yeah least favorite moments i don't really have one to be honest Okay. I've got characters I like oh, less yeah, that's than the next, others, that's but the I don't question. have moments. I've, I've written down, again, like not least favorite moments, but like things that I don't love about it. Yeah, things do move very quickly, which is a big pro, but I'm not 100% sure all of the time the decisions that every character is making slash like why they're making them. So I, we were talking about it during the film, like why is she in London? We put the pieces together, we're assuming that she thinks her mother's there, but she doesn't actually explain that she thinks her mother's there. She just kind of like rocks up in London and we're like what but also the movie makes fun of this at one point she's like phase six or is this phase four i've entirely lost count like she can't even keep up with the pace of the film so that's a pro negative you know yeah and also this is more to do with characters but like Minecraft is just so toxic for no reason why what's his damage what's his motivation what is his troubled backstory why is he so angsty yeah and why is sherlock lily livid he's kind of he's kind of weak he's kind of like oh it's all up to Minecraft. go away not my problem and that's yeah that's not the sherlock i know i know Mm. um but yeah that's more of a character thing that might develop in the second half i'm hoping it does yes 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 I also am just asking, how realistic is it that she could actually decipher these answers from the jumbled up word clues? Oh, no, that's that. I, I totally believe that. No, but like all of, like surely she'd get some of them wrong or like pick an incorrect street that uses the same letters. Like there are so many options. No, I don't know, like, are there? Yeah, 100%. There are so many street names you could make out of those clues because the words are long. Did you try? Yeah, I, no, I don't have yeah. anything at stake. Though. But remember her mother had, word games was one of those things that her mother had trained her on I since know. she was little. And it's like her mother had been planning this. And I think there's also, it's symbolic that she does it on her 16th birthday. So she said it because that's the, that's the point at which a woman was like liberated back in the day. It's brutal that it's on her birthday though. Yeah, but I also think it's symbolic. And it's like, okay, I've put in the work. Now it's over to you. And she knew that Enola would be able to decipher the clues and follow the path because she had been training her to do yeah, it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt that she's smart for sure. I think she'd be able to work stuff out, but like that everyone would be 100% correct. Like what if you just, again, like picked a different street name using the same letters and then rocked up and be like, where's my mother? And then there was nothing there. That I think, actually would have been a funny yeah. thing to <laughs> seem to film. I feel like in real 
life that's what would happen but i'm gonna suspend disbelief because it's a movie and not a documentary there, I'm okay there weren't that. as many street names then as there are now okay least favorite moment so far would be the fact that she has completely changed her plan like she finds out her mom's a suffragette and she's like okay we don't stand that i'm now gonna look for a random boy no disagree again what disagree again because but what she said was there's somebody who's going to kill him he's not strong enough to fight for himself but i'm the strong one and i will fight for him yeah okay. i really like that i like that if but that I, was in addition to no. finding the but mother it, it will be i oh, we don't oh, know we've only seen half the film oh yeah it's gonna end with it going oh well don't know where mum is bye could it won't i don't know well if it does then that's another podcast isn't it <laughs> okay um favorite characters and why well, Anola is my favourite character yeah. because she's had more screen time yeah. than anybody else. Also, the film's named and after the film, her. Yeah, and also she's really good. It's a good character. I don't know apart from that. Mm. There's, nobody's had enough of a sort of chunk of... It really is her movie. Yeah, yeah. But no, I agree. Obviously, put Anola as my favourite character. You know, she's clever. She's educated. She defies norms and stereotypes. She breaks the fourth wall in a non-annoying way, which is a revelation, to be honest. And then another favourite character I have... Is the housekeeper, honestly. Yeah, I like her too. Because she knows everyone. She's invested in the family. She was also responsible for giving Anola her birthday presents at the beginning when her mum randomly left. So she picks up everyone's slack. She's uh, the string holding the family together. I mean, she did play a murdering housekeeper in one of the Miss Marple movies that I saw. Okay. So so, she, so I'm thinking maybe she's still got she has a you know, something to reveal. Who knows what's going to happen in the second But half. I do agree. Yeah, she's yeah. the literal backbone of the family. And she was also giving um, Sherlock a talking to being like hey bro yeah put some of your glory into action you say that you're smart and cunning and whatever why aren't you doing anything for this family and yeah. i agree yeah which brings us to least favorite characters who are some of your least favorite characters sherlock yeah i 100 percent have sherlock as well like he arrives when it's convenient but doesn't take responsibility or have any vested interest in the family and yeah he, he accepts... he's sat in a chair and sulked yeah and read books but he like sits there and he accepts his pedestal status and takes all the glory mm. and the fame and doesn't work for it or use it to benefit others. Mm. And what really annoyed me at the beginning is like when Mycroft's saying, hey, Enola, you need to be a woman, you need to be a lady, disregard everything you are. He doesn't agree with Mycroft's attitudes, but he just sits there and is like, mm, yeah, well, literally the bystander in the playground watching the bully. I'm wondering why he's there at the moment. Yeah, he's no one. He's a wet fish. Mm. Which brings me to another least favorite character, obviously Mycroft. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote in my notes, Mycroft, saucy Minx. <laughs> oh, I think that's being complimentary. Uh, Loki. But he's uh, stuck up. He's an enforcer of gender stereotypes. At one point, he says, Oh, good God, feminism? Perhaps she was mad or senile in reference to their mother. He also has an ownership complex. Like, as you were saying, things get passed to him, but he's like, My carriage. This is my house. Like, bro. Yeah. And he's a little bit peeved that the mother's been lying to him and getting money out of him for, on false pretenses, but good on her. Yeah, cool. Having met him, she probably should have got more. Absolutely. And then, yeah, when he's trying to rid Anola of her individuality, he literally says, we must break her. Rude. Mm. Yeah, like a horse. And yeah, then another least favourite character is Fiona Shaw's character, who... I love Fiona Shaw I love Shaw Fiona Shaw so too. Much. But like... Also, who doesn't love a good face slapping scene? I literally Hello. wrote Fiona Shaw slap happy. <laughs> yep, you love it. <laughs> so she comes in, Mycroft gets her to come in to try and like straighten out Anola and enforce the patriarchy. She's a woman bringing down another woman. I know that she's a product of her time, but that's no excuse. Yeah, just love Fiona Shaw. Love Fiona Shaw mm. though. We'll start a fan club. So storylines that we think will be expanded upon slash think should be expanded upon. 
I need to know exactly why that dude's trying to kill them. Yeah, that's my main one. Like, why is this random guy coming after Tewksbury? Okay, I've got a theory. Now, okay. you know how Tewksbury's parents, they said he wanted to take his spot in the House of Lords and introduce some reform yeah. to the estate and all that kind of stuff. They want him to join the army and see the world. Not a great time to be joining the army and seeing the world, really, yeah. because a lot of kind of world wars in mm. his future there. So he's run away. They've allegedly hired, or they haven't allegedly, they've hired a private investigator yeah. to track him down. We've made the assumption that this guy is the investigator. Or maybe I just in my head made the assumption no, that I this did. guy is the I investigator. I don't think he is. Because why would the private investigator be trying to kill him? Yeah. Well, I think I made that assumption at first, but then when he kept trying to like murder him, I was like, mm, maybe yeah. not. So the, he's obviously but, got another agenda that I think we don't yet know about. And that, yeah. that will be revealed in the second half. And so maybe that's what I want to know more about. That's right. So yeah, that's a big one. I yes. 100% agree. And then will she end up with Viscount Tewksbury? I wrote that as well. Um, I said, yeah, what's going to happen with Anola and Tewksbury? Like, will the 12-year-olds get together? And I wrote, sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but honestly, I'm, I'm invested. I want to know. Yeah. And yeah, obviously, I want to know what exactly the mother is up to, what exactly her plans are, what her secrets are. Is she actually super dangerous or are we being thrown off the scent? Like, I don't know. And what I want to see more of, I want to see more of Mycroft's backstory. I want to know why he's toxic for no reason. And I want to see some more agency from Sherlock. I'd I want like to see Sherlock get some balls. Yeah, 100%. Oh, and obviously, like, back to the Tewksbury thing, like, will her and Tewksbury be reunited? Will she be able to find him? Who knows? I'm assuming. I think she'd be. I'm going to assume, yes. I really think the rest of the movie will just be looking, looking, looking. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't find Tewksbury or mum anywhere. Who knows? Oh, well. Who knows? Now I've got like a fun little category where we can pick at the non-PC points. Most problematic moments. Oh, this is more your category than mine. It I is, think. but I want to see if you've I, I don't I like. I recognise that things could be problematic, but I also rationalise them. I think you've already started on that track. I have. So, so um, why don't you continue? Because okay. I know you're yeah, desperate yeah. to. I am. I, I love pointing out lack of political oh, correctness. Oh, every day. I mean, obvi- these are obvious ones, like Mycroft, anti-feminism, Fiona Shaw, child abuse. But the film is pointing out that these are problematic. It's not saying, this <laughs> exactly. is the way to go. So it's that's, not advocating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just like pointing it out. So like, that's not problematic about the film. It's just like problematic things in the About film. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early 1900s. If I had a time. Time machine, I would avoid that. Unless era. you're a rich, straight white man. Then, in which absolutely. Case, go for it. Time of your life. Yeah. Then I'm sorry. And, and continue. 2020 to be. must be so hard for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the movie does have a very, like, narrow, basic, and very, very white view of feminism. So, like, yeah, it's I can be a woman, but I can also be sassy and educated and wear pants, which isn't bad, obviously, but it's just not anything new or anything particularly nuanced. So, it's very much, like, stuck in the second wave feminism kind yeah, of. I, I've seen it a lot moment. before. Yeah, exactly. Being the second wave feminist that I am. Exactly. So I'm told. Okay, now what category of viewing is it? The three categories are trash, which is a movie that is actually terrible and not like fun terrible, but a movie that I would actually just have to switch off. Treasure, meaning it's genuinely good. I'm actually enjoying it. Or guilty pleasure, meaning it's a bit trashy, um, but I'm into it and I'm going to watch the rest. Well, I mean, I think based on those three categorizations, I would say treasure, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's been around long enough. To me, a treasure has to be, you know, like a national treasure, you know, it has to have been around a little bit to have that iconic status that films like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and 
an affair to remember um, have. You know what I mean? Those, yeah, those films ones, like those La, films La La Land. That, that, <laughs> no, the, the posters that we have on the wall at home that yeah, have, I have, a La that La have La shaped me as a human and that I will hear no criticism of. I'm definitely not saying that it should be in that category. And that category doesn't exist in my categorization. I just picked Trash, Treasure and Guilty Pleasure, honestly, because it rhymes. Oh, I didn't even realise. Mm-hmm. There you go. So yeah, I've also put it in the treasure category because it is genuinely... It is. It's genuinely good. Um, It's not like super highbrow viewing, is it? Like it won't win an Oscar. No. But I don't feel any guilt at the fact that I'm enjoying it and I don't feel like I should be feeling guilty oh, about it. a lot of shits won Oscars. But yeah, I don't, I don't think this is going to be nominated anytime soon, but that's not what it's trying to be. No. And it's definitely above bad Netflix rom-com kind of holiday. It's holiday, yeah. <laughs> the kissing booze. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> definitely not in that realm so i'm gonna put it in treasure um so now viewing style so like who would i watch it with where would i watch it and who would i not watch it with so your at least mother, in most ideal viewing experience your mother in byron bay mm-hmm. um, if we're being very specific i i think it's definitely a mother-daughter film mm-hmm. i really do i don't think it has a specific audience it doesn't limit itself i put that as well i said that it's good for everyone i said it's fit for the whole family because it, it could definitely suit a younger audience because it's not uh, it's not violent no oh, not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no a like, bit of... there's no blood. No. And there's no swearing, I don't think. I haven't noticed I, I don't think there is. But also, it's not too innocent to not be fun with an older crowd. Yeah, it's entertaining. But also, in terms of ideal viewing circumstance, would definitely recommend viewing with some scones and jam. And I feel like it's a Sunday afternoon type viewing movie. Like, yes. that's when I would want to watch it. Yeah. Because as I said, very, very English. What is more English than scones and jam? Maybe some tea. Maybe a crumpet, you know? Just to really fit the vibe. <laughs> Important question. One of the final ones. Would we want to keep going with the rest of the film? Oh, definitely. 100%. I'm lured. I want to find out what happens. It's really entertaining. I put entertaining, whimsical, good old-fashioned English fun with a slight academic bent for the pseudo-intellectuals among the Netflix viewing community. Um, and then what What are we going to rate it out of five? I'm giving it a five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so far. I mean, that might drop down. Yeah. Get, just on the grand scale of like all movies ever. Oh, all movies ever. Yeah. All right. Okay. I thought you meant on the enjoyability factor Oh, no. Scale. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm going to go like probably three and a half. Oh, that's what I did as oh, well. I put three and a half slash bigger. four. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, but, with, but based, with potential also. Definitely. There's room for a bump up. But yeah, based on the first half, cinema at first sight, the book cover strong i think so yeah and um that's everything that we've got for this episode mm-hmm. would recommend if you have a netflix subscription watch it now or even just watch fi- the whole film or just get someone else's password and, and you're set yeah and um that's all for this episode thank you for tuning in to cinema at first sight and i will be back next week with another review what am i reviewing i have no idea but i will talk to you then bye bye